When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, and welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show. What to do with the Memphis pick, Al Horford's unhappiness in Philly. We'll wonder if this is the best team of Brad Stevens' Celtics tenure. But first, as always, we remind you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you listen. Follow us on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. B Rob and uh, Mr. Pina. Happy New Year! And any resolutions, Mike? I'll go to you first. New Year's resolutions. What do you got? Uh, n- nothing. I don't. I don't. I don't think I have a resolution. I've, I've been living a pretty perfect life, so no resolutions for me. B Rob, I want to be more like Mike. So <laughs> be like Mike. That's 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 the title of today's pod. Um. So what do we got, Bureau? Where, where where do we want to start today's show? We we, we got we want to do the the Memphis pick. We want to talk about well we'll save Al Horford for later. I think that'll be a, a tail end of the yeah, podcast no, conversation. I think, I think a good just uh, in our discussions for the podcast this week uh, for ideas what to talk about. Mike brought to the table I think a fascinating question of uh, whether this is the best uh, Celtics team of the Brad Stevens era, which I think spans back. Is this the eighth? Year of the Brad Stevens? This is seven. Seventh year of the Brad Stevens yeah. era. And, uh, Mike, just uh, I know you have a, a, a pretty strong opinion on this, so I'll, I'll let you take the floor here um, on this front. Yeah, so uh, I think this, just up front, I think this is the best team of the Brad Stevens era. I mean, if you just look at point differential, it's basically over twice as high uh, as any other team that Stevens has coached. Um they're outscoring opponents by nine points per 100 possessions, according to Cleaning the Glass, and that's second best in the league. They have a top five offense, a top five defense. Uh, they can play just about any style. They play hard. They're, uh, you know, uh, I just think talent-wise in terms of three-point shooting, all three levels. Uh, they're protecting the rim. They're getting back in transition. Uh, it's a really good team, and there's a lot of individually talented players on it. From obviously Kemba and how he's how they've kind of incorporated his pick and roll game to Jason Tatum making a leap as a playmaker to J- Jalen Brown, all around looking like an all star, who we hate on this show, uh, regardless. Um, but they've done all this with injuries too, and important guys in and out of the lineup and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's the, the the question then becomes obviously can they do it in the playoffs? Can they get to the conference finals? There's been two teams in the Brad Stevens era that have gone that far. That's wild. And, and so uh, it's a, it's a legitimate question. But so far, it, I just think that from top to bottom, this is just a stacked team. There's still you know avenues for them to make trades to improve and. Uh, I personally think they are, as currently constituted, a championship contender. So, what say you guys? What do you what do you think? Is this the best team of the Red Stevens era? 
Yeah, I'm a, it's, a, it's a big yes for me. I mean, in terms of pure talent, maybe last year's team is the only comparison, but like whether you want to say that Kyrie is a little bit more talented than Kemba, then you go to the next level and like there's it's basically this year's Gordon versus Marcus Morris and this year's Tatum versus last year's Tatum, this year's Jalen versus last year's Jalen. It's really not that close, if, if you ask me. When you look at the, the stats overall, like this is, I mean, granted, we're not even halfway through, but this is uh, a top 10 team in Celtics history by the numbers. Just yeah, like in terms of offensive rating, defensive rating, they got a long way to go. And like you said, Mike, if they don't do it in the playoffs, none of this really matters. But uh, as of right now, top to bottom, uh, or at least like top seven or eight, it's not even close for the last seven years. Can you guys be right? Can you guess the uh, the win shares le- win shares leader for the Boston Celtics in, in Brad Stevens' first year as coach? That was uh, 20, mm. uh, 2013, 2014. Ooh. I know the answer, so I'm like, not going to guess. You, did you look is this up or you just happened to know this? I know like everything. Sollinger or someone like that? Uh, Brandon Bass. Brandon Bass, yes. And then year two was Tyler Zeller. Yes. <laughs> Before we get I to mean, the, IT, uh, the IT years. Uh, uh, b what do you think? Yeah, I I think it's certainly trending. I mean, it's funny to, like, talent-wise, you look at last year's team and this year's team, and you think, well, it's not the most talented team, um, but it clearly is a far better team than last year's team. Um, and when for all the point differential stuff you guys brought up, and again, you know, usually, usually you're an NBA contender if you're top ten in offense and defensive efficiency. If you're top five, then you're like, all right, you're a you should be you should a be a favorite. Contender. You should be yeah, you should be clearly in that conversation. Which I feel like nationally, the Celtics aren't like quite there, or at least getting that kind of recognition yet. And to a degree, I do think that's fair, since even though this is the best team of the Brass Demons era. Um, I do think it still has some of the biggest holes or question marks of a like successful team in the like Brass Demons era. Uh, like who's your closing center, and who can you trust in the postseason beyond your top five guys? Um, this these are all questions that have been answered well and nicely for the most part in the in the first 30 games of the year but there are uh the the playoffs are a different animal and the eastern conference is a different animal this year than it was you know even two years ago when this team almost got to the nba finals i'd say almost maybe the top six teams in the east are better than the celtics and the Cavs. if you need if you need eight guys to win a championship does this team have eight guys i don't think so and that's and I mean, we can. I'll throw it out there right now. This is what the the Celtics clearly are going to have excess draft capital to make moves. Um, whether there's the the right piece or the right fit out there, um, with while also maintaining their core, uh, is going to be a tough question. But I think at this point, I'm not confident right now that you know this is team is going to be a top notch contender with the current personnel they have. Then who who is? I guess is the question. Like, I mean, you put you put Philly in the, in that in that conversation over the Celtics. I mean, yeah. For I mean, it's not like I put the Celtics on even even footing with the Sixers. I mean, I think the Bucks is just are just a a clear step above the pact right now, even though they have their own holes. But I just think that the Celtics to really give themselves to maximize their chances right now, they really need to add just again a seventh or an eighth guy uh that 
uh, can be, you know, doesn't have to fill all the holes, check all the marks, but like, um, you know, take care of some vulnerable areas on this team. I think the obviously the the big problem when you're kind of stacking yourself up against the Sixers or the Bucks is you don't have the best player in any one of those series. But when I go two, three, four, five, maybe even six down the ro- down the line of the rotation, I like Boston's rotation better and and those complementary pieces a lot better than what the the Sixers have and and what the Bucks have, and that might be you know, a slightly controversial statement, but I don't know. I feel like Jason Tatum's only getting better. Jalen Brown's only getting better. We haven't seen like the, the lineup that I just, I'm, I'm in love with that we haven't really seen because guys have been in and out is, you know, that small one. And I really want to see that in the playoffs. I really want to see if they're able to force opponents to bend to their will. If they're, especially a team like the Bucks, if they're, if they can force Giannis at the five, in lineups that uh, uh, are really to their benefit, I don't know. I feel like this. I feel like the Bucks in a playoff series are not head and shoulders uh, ahead of this Celtics team. Um, the Sixers are different just because of Embiid and how the the problems that he creates. And you know, I don't think that Tice or 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 Cantor can really hang with him one on one, and it just he creates a lot of different problems. And defensively, they're really difficult to score on. And someone like Kemba Walker could have trouble in that series. But I don't know. I I, I just I look at this team, and I'm not against upgrades. And uh, you know, if we 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 kind of segue into the conversation about whether or not they're going to use the Memphis pick, then uh, right now, then. I, I think that the the Memphis pick is is obviously a really good asset, but if I were the Celtics, I would more be dangling the Milwaukee Bucks pick, which they have th- this year, which will probably be number thirty. So, um, yeah, I, I I like the Celtics. I think this is the best team of the Brad Stevens era, um, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs and if they're able to kind of validate that that opinion. So, uh, Ennis Cantor has played twenty three games since he returned from his injury. How many of those games has he finished with a positive plus minus differential? I would guess seventeen. Michael, since you know everything, sixteen point nine. No, <laughs> <laughs> twenty of twenty three games he's finished mm. with a positive. Um, one of those was a minus one. One of them was a minus five that he only played six minutes. Uh, and then the most recent one was that home loss to Toronto. He was minus three. Other than that, uh, he's been positive. When, he, when he's on there. And I, I think he's been playing himself in the shape a little bit. Uh, he looks like a, a, a much more uh, just, I mean, he's durable. You know, he's, he's, he's just a little bit more active. And he's a guy, I mean, you know, and, and do, do you want him in your crunch time lineup with, because if, if, he's, if he's out there, who's, who's on the bench if he's, if he's finishing for you, right? Probably smart. Probably Marcus Smart, right? And that, and he's and he's the one guy you probably need out there in a, in a situation like that. I don't think Cantor has finished a game yet, Rich. Like, I mean, against Embiid, that game where he was going nuts against Philly, he was in there down the stretch. But beyond that, Brad Stevens has not played him in a close game yet in crunch time, which I think is kind of. I mean, Cantor has been everything the Celtics could have kind of wanted him, but they have protected him a lot which makes sense given his knee injury. And like you said, he's probably playing himself into shape after that knee injury for a bit since he's come back. But they clearly, you know, is that a guy you're going to be able to trust for 20 minutes in the playoffs 
against these teams. And I still think the jury is is out on that um, from a defensive standpoint, especially if you're playing a, a team like the Bucks that has shooting everywhere. So Cantor has finished on the floor in three games this season. Uh, yeah. One against the Wizards on November 13th. Uh, that Sixers game you mentioned, B-Rob, and New Year's Eve in Charlotte. Which was a the game was over. Yeah. Um, so it is, I mean, that's kind of a, and we can kind of segue off this. Do you, is there any way, like, it's hard to think that you can upgrade Cantor at all, even with a late first round pick um, in terms of that spot. But are you better off with someone that Brad Stevens trusts more on defense in that spot? Or are you guys more of like, listen, he's been a vacuum for points and rebounds and it's a, he's helping the Celtics get important regular season wins right now. And yeah, he's going to be the liability in the wrong series, but there should be alternatives there for Brad Stevens. Like, I don't think Kander's a problem really. Um, I have been a fan of how he's helped them on the offensive glass. Like the Celtics have been terrible for years on the offensive glass and I think now they're in the top five in offensive rebound rate, and that's basically because of Ennis Cantor. Um, he's a luxury in a lot of ways, offensively and defensively. Uh, a stat that I love to throw out there that's totally meaningless is that he has a better defensive rating than Al Horford, so obviously <laughs> a better defender than Al Horford ever was. Um, no. Uh, so it's just tough because like, what type of player are you even going to get upgrading from from Menace Cantor and and the kind of the big man rotation that you have I just don't see that player out there like the like Thomas Bryant is that like it's, I, I don't I don't think that's yeah like much of I, I mean like a guy that's coming in tonight like I don't think this is but this is the type, same type of player I feel like like an Alex Len like that's clear like you'd rather have Cantor than Alex Len even though Len is better defensively like Cantor's rebounding yeah it's like a marginal upgrade on defense but you're losing so much of what he does on the offensive end right so it, again, I think it. This is probably a bigger question before the season started. Now, it's it's clearly getting to a point where Canners become a pretty integral part of running. I feel like Rich, when you like, even I think is I think is def, like defensively, the Celtics are actually better with him on the floor. Obviously, that's not because of him; it's because of the people around him and who they're playing him against. But like, he's clearly helping far more than he's hurting right now. Yeah, and his his defensive rating I saw in in December, like his December splits, I, ha- I had it up. I'm, I'm bringing it up again right now. Was it better than Al Horford? Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm sure it was. <laughs> but uh, in uh, in December, he had a hun- hundred defensive rating. Stud. Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's pretty good. Plus nineteen point four in the plus minus a- average nineteen nine and a half points, nine point two rebounds, and he's a guy that's going to get his without you know really needing to take away from all the other offensive weapons that the Celtics have. He's just going to get his by being around the hoop and, and cleaning up the misses. Uh, he's not going to. I don't know if it's been the case. He's not going to demand the ball much. He's not going to get upset if he's not getting the ball in the post or wherever. He's just going to get his by by getting underneath and, and, and banging guys around. Can I just, can I really um, quickly, and I, sorry, Rich, can I, can I really quickly just jump in with uh, Cantor's previous defensive ratings in this unseason? Yeah. So right now it's at yeah. 101.1. So last year, 110.9, 116.6, 112.6, 111.3, 109.9, 112, 
111.9, I mean, it's like, <laughs> this is such an outlier. It's, it's absurd. And like, I, I, a lot of it is effort. A lot of it, is, I mean, a lot of it is effort from, as you said, Rich, everybody else on the team. And, but I feel like, like Brad Stevens coaching this season, that like, that just goes, it goes a, t- a long way when you have Ennis Cantor on the floor and you still have one of the best defenses in the league. It's ridiculous. With with that said, though, like going back to the the game the Celtics got blown out last Saturday against Toronto, the Cantor was a complete liability in the pick and roll defense against Lowry and Van Fleet. So if I'm the Celtics, like I'm kind of thinking you're taking all this right now, but it's still not hiding the fact that like he for again thinking about the playoffs here, like there's gonna be a lot of teams he's really not going to be able to play against or just going to have a huge target on his back when he's on the floor and that's that's i wonder how they think about that in terms of what they're going to do in the next month and whether they think they can they have enough alternatives to do that to be good enough or if that's gonna you know be fresh i think in their the mind. good news there is that he's not a humongous liability against a team that you may have to beat which is the sixers so that's like sure that's good news but i i i mean I feel also like you could maybe hide him in a Bucks series, but that would be really that would be really tough, and he's not going to play more than fifteen minutes a game in that series anyway. Yeah, so it is. I mean, a lot of it is going to be matchups, um, and again, if you get that two seed, you at least have don't have to worry about facing one of those teams in the first round. Even though Brooklyn would still be uh, a bear in the first round in terms of like the pick and roll. Uh, defense there but it is I mean his it's it's going to be tough to find a meaningful upgrade in that spot um from him I feel like um it's especially since you're taking away so much rebounding and scoring when you know if you if you go to someone else and now you got me thinking about a net Celtics playoff series in the first round it's the odds are there man like the what is gonna what's gonna happen well but like he won't play he might I be mean, out for the season by then anyways. Right. Um, all right. Let me get this read in, guys. Uh, the football playoffs are underway, and you can follow all the action on bet, at betonline.ag. Up-to-date information, including odds and lines, every spread, every winner or loser, straight bet parlay or tease your way through the season, or through the playoffs, I should say. So before the next kickoff, head over to BetOnline to receive your 50% welcome bonus, and be sure to use our promo code, that's CLNS50, and take advantage of our great offer today. Bring the game home with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And guys, we were talking before the show that uh, a, a new round of, of NBA championship odds were released by betonline.ag. Uh, and what's interesting is that the Celtics, who opened the season at 16-1, to 1, uh, are still at 16-1. They, it, it seems that despite the great start, despite everything that we've, we've talked about for the last 17 minutes or so, uh, the, the betting uh, public does not believe that the Celtics are in any better position to win the title than they were a couple months ago. A little shocking. I mean, the, the Lakers have stayed at 3-1. to one. The uh, Clippers went from 3-1 to one to 7-2. to two. And, you know, there aren't any huge movements. But uh, I guess the biggest one is Dallas went from 25-1 to one to 16-1 to one along with the Celtics. But what do you guys think about that? I mean, are... I, it's not unrealistic. It's not a 0% chance that the Celtics could win the title. No, 538 has it at 2%. So, <laughs> no, but December, like, they basically have the best offense in the NBA. 
They average 115.3 points per 100 possessions. The Bucks have 115.5, so they're right up there. Defensively, they're allowing 105 points per 100 possessions, which is fourth best in the league. Like I, it's a month sample size. With it's not like the Celtics had a cupcake schedule. They had some. I mean, every time you play the Cleveland Cavaliers, you you get you, you're able to bump yourself up a few points. Yeah, yeah they're, <laughs> they're they're kicking the crap out of the bad teams, which is again a good. It's a good sign, right. obviously, if you that you're a good team. Right. Um, but they. I mean, the Christmas Day game against the Raptors, and then of course they lose to the Raptors shortly after that. But um, I don't know. I I just I, I like a lot about this team. I think they play really smart. Uh, and I might be a little overconfident with them, but I just think they haven't even like. I, I just think when I look at them a few months from now, they'll just be that much better because of the contributors and where the contributors are in their careers and how much better they they'll be uh, being in a more familiar environment with each other, getting more reps. Uh, I, I just like I just like this team a lot. Yeah, I still believe that the best is is yet to come. I don't think uh, I think Tatum's got, and I've, I think I've said this the last few podcasts, but like we talked about maybe that you know the leap coming at the beginning of this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the playoffs is, is when we see him take it to that to the level that he needs to be at when it comes to the, to, to crunch time, when it comes to the fourth quarter of some of these games. I think we're going to see some absolute absolutely ridiculous uh, performances, um, you know. And what's happening? I guess, like you said, B-Rob. What happens in the space in between? What happens when you have to rely on that seventh and eighth guy? What happens when you have to rely on some of these big guys in, in, in crunch time situations? But um, I, I do think that that while other teams and maybe Philly, you can argue it, but I still think that the best for the Celtics are yet to come. Yeah, I mean, it's the the arrow sign and everyone on the team is pointing in the right direction in terms of the guys that matter, obviously, at this point. But I do think when you just look at the, the scope of the league and again who you can trust in crunch time who you can trust in the playoffs I for as good as they look I think they're one guy one rotation guy away from becoming like you know a big boy contender if you will someone you know a team that is where those odds go beyond two percent or we see the betting odds actually take a jump because people are are buying in so this kind of rolls into a kind of big picture question I want to Posed to you guys with where this team is at right now, the they're obviously going to have at least two first round picks, uh, potentially you know number twenty eight their own and number thirty from the from the Bucks uh, for the twenty twenty draft, and then this Memphis pick uh, which is top six protected, and uh, the, the Grizzlies when we're recording this they're thirteen and twenty two they're tied for the eighth worst record in the league. It's they're 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 a fun team they're a feisty team and their young players are looking really good right now whether it's Clark Jackson or John Morant. So I would tend to think that that pick is going to come this year, or the odds are strongly in favor of that pick coming this year. And so while we know that the odds are heavily in favor of the Celtics, you know, not doing anything with that pick this year, I do think that with the knowledge that it's not, there's no chance of it being a top five pick, that that pick should be in play for this team at the trade deadline for the right piece. But when you say uh, no chance of it being a top five pick, you just mean because top it would six stay with Memphis. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then for, you and they're gonna and they're not gonna be bad enough to be in that range next year. I think Memphis is with another 
if they get another top six pick, they're just going to be better next year. Right, which is why I think that it probably I don't I I think that it does extend a, another year. I just think it, between Memphis maybe selling off some of their veterans at the deadline, between it being like they have every incentive to get back in the in the top five this year, and they're really not that far. I mean, they're two and a half games behind. Uh, really, you think they? But you think they would rather get dropped this year as opposed to be worried about an unprotected pick next year? Right, because like you said, I don't. I just think that they're going to be good enough where where they can sneak. They have a great a great young coach, great young core. I think I think it's a bet on themselves. You know, I think that they that they would rather get another young great piece this year. Who knows how great he is? A chance to get another young great piece this year and move forward, as opposed to getting nothing this year and then maybe seeing how it goes next year. That that was actually going to be my question to you guys, but when you first brought this up was, if you were Memphis, would you rather tank the rest of, not the rest of the season, but I guess after the trade deadline, would you rather tank and and keep the pick this year or just give it up this year and then have your picks going forward and, and your flexibility going forward? I mean, if I were Memphis, I would probably, I like, I guess a huge factor here is, the talent in the draft pool and so that's i can't uh, i won't i'm like super ignorant when it comes to that so i can't even speculate it seems no clear-cut number one it's very like flat and uncertain at the top it seems like it's like uh, you're right like james weissman but you already have jaron jackson jr um cole anthony but you already have john morant uh who's the dude in georgia edwards ball yeah edwards is so again there's no there's a bunch of guys that could be number one. I feel like at this point. Um, yeah, I think I would probably, I would probably tank if I was Memphis, to be honest. And, that's, and I, that's I look at the teams that are just below them or right around them, and a lot of those teams are, are have incentives to win. So you have New Orleans, who's getting Zion back, and they're on a four-game win streak. I feel like New Orleans could easily leapfrog Memphis. Uh, Detroit always wants to win for no reason. No one knows why, but their <laughs> owner's an idiot. Uh, the Bulls want to make the playoffs. The Hawks, the Hawks are going to be better now that Collins is back, you eh. assume. <laughs> the Hawks. Have you watched the Hawks <laughs> recently? They are. I re- know. Uh, one and one one nine yeah. in the last ten. Well, we'll see what happens tonight. We're, we're recording this on Friday afternoon before the, the Celtics and Hawks battle. So it'll be, uh, this will be a tough stretch if the Hawks somehow uh, beat the Celtics. Um. But yeah, no, I, I hear you. The Knicks are playing much better too. I, I don't remember if you just said that, but they're they're playing for a new coach and playing 500 for 500 since they fired Fisdale. Yeah, so I, and that's the thing too. I don't know if Memphis is going to have to try that hard to to tank, you know. And, and the way the way Ja plays, I, like he's been close to to being seriously injured a few times. Uh, he's got that little like kind of Iverson in him where he just gives up his body uh, going to the hoop and. Could be a they could find a reason to sit him for a little bit. Oh, they've already exercised um, load management with them. So, right, just setting the just just they're keeping the their options open. It seems like with the load management stuff. Um, right, like with him and Jackson. The problem is, like selling off their veterans. I don't think their veteran any of their veterans really make a difference. Like Jay Crowder's having a garbage <laughs> season for them. He's shooting like thirty seven percent from the field, thirty percent from three. Um, and then I don't think I mean Valanciunas. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think they like him. Like they're not going to just give. You him know why away. they like him? Because um, his agent is the same agent as Jaron Jackson Jr. There you go. Smart man, Jonas. Um, and then who else are they going to trade? That's going to matter. Like, 
like Kyle Anderson. Like, okay, like that's it's it is. It's like you look yeah. at their team; their best players are their young guys, and like Dylan Brooks and Valanciunas. So, it, it might be a situation where trading their veterans. Like, I I, I agree with your guys' perspective, but I just think that they might be too good enough already to tank, especially when you look at the other teams that will have will really sell off veterans. Like when the Cavs trade Love and the Wizards are going to actually try to tank at some point, I feel like. And then, like, Charlotte, I feel like, is due to fall more because they've been kind of playing above their heads. So, like, it is – I don't think it's going to be easy for them to tank. And I think they might be, be too good to stay out of the bottom. And they anyway. might get – we'll see what they do get for Iguodala also, which is another factor. Right. forgot about him too. Um, all right. But, yeah, so let's – so th- this is part of the calculus for the Celtics. They have to clearly try to figure out what Memphis is just trying to do, and maybe that – kind of influence but as of right now it looks like i mean memphis is two games out of a playoff spot right now i mean it's the western conference but they're far closer to the playoffs than they are to the the bottom of the west at this point so that's um, crazy which is crazy i mean but that's kind of going to be the case all year for all these teams like no one no one in the west is going to fall out of it um spurs well there are only two teams in the west below them right now one of them is new orleans who's, who's who's playing much better right the other one is Golden State, who's who's playing better too. I mean, is, Steph is not playing this year. Is that no? I mean, he, they haven't voted him out officially, but I would be shocked if he comes back before like March or something like that. From this, especially knowing if they, unless they actually think they can make the playoffs, in which case that would probably be worth bringing him back. But um, there are seven games. Yeah, okay, let me ask a different question. If you're the Celtics, do you want the pick this year? Or do you want it to roll over? Um, I think you want it to. I think you want it to roll over for just the any unprotected pick, like you want that because no, that yeah, no one knows what will happen in the lottery, and right or like or like Jaw tears his ACL, like yeah. right, like something like that. Had a way to get dark. Um, Knock on wood. I, I don't want. I don't want that to happen. You don't want I feel that. Bad you don't want that. It. But yeah. like, obviously, you have to factor into play the just the the variables like that. But well, here's my like to kind of pivot towards the present now with this team. Okay, like and. The Celtics thinking, say Memphis goes on a run here and they pull closer to 500 in the next month and it looks like that pick is definitely going to convey. They um, just kind of create mm-hmm. some separation there. So it's looking like it's going to be a pick in the 10 to 15 range. Should that, like, how much would a pick like that help the Celtics next year? I think, and then I have a list of guys that I want to know that whether you would move the pick for around the league. I'm glad you have that because that's what it is for me. Every guy is different. Right. Um, but like how much, just in general, how helpful would like a 10 to 15 overall pick for the Celtics be next year? Would they even keep that pick on draft night? Or do you feel like they would even, they would move it for, you know, veteran talent or just consolidation? Like so does this move it with Jalen you know, Brown to, uh, to Atlanta for John oh Collins. My God. <laughs> no thanks no no i can hear people God. just punching the unsubscribe <laughs> button right because of rich just shitting on jalen rich Brown. has not watched the hawks this year if if that makes them unsubscribe they're gonna unsubscribe at some point anyways <laughs> you know we can't we can't keep fighting for these people that are so fickle just a, a simple da- jalen joke um uh, by the way so you guys think that the hawks are going to remain this bad for the for the rest of the season, I would be shocked. I think they'll be. They're really bad. The, yeah, the they don't like their. It seems like Lloyd Pierce is 
there's some locker room drama down there too it seems like that's what happens when you have jabari parker <laughs> there you go as michael yep. pena will tell you legend um all right do you guys want me to go yeah, through the names yeah. or what do you like yeah okay please and we'll so, give a yes or no i have different tiers here these are guys that you would obviously do it for but i don't think they're available um obviously for clear reasons jonathan isaac you would obviously have to add more to it but now he's hurt so that's off the table Orlando wouldn't no. move him. OKC is not moving. Shea, no. obviously. Uh, Atlanta's probably not moving no. John Collins. So those guys are on. These are some um, guys that... All right. This is guys priced are not unavailable, but the Bulls have been kind of in flux. Uh, Laurie Markkinen. I'm yes. intrigued. I mean, we're, we're saying they, just yes or no, and would you include the Memphis pick? In yes, the deal? you'd obviously have to probably for Bergen, you'd be, obviously have to include more than the Memphis pick, but the Memphis pick would be the centerpiece of the deal from your. From That's your a yes for me. I'm buying low on Larry. I would say yes as well. Because it's I'm I'm looking at guys with team control here for another year or two. And then you hit restricted free agency, obviously, but the Celtics have control there. So that's those are the kind of guys you feel comfortable moving a pick like this for when you have that control, whether it's under contract or, you know, the right to 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 match any kind of a deal. So, Mark, that's interesting. Uh, this 20, is a 20, less, twenty-two years old still. Twenty-two years old. I think this is this third season, fourth season. He uh, dunked on uh, Rudy Gobert last night. I was just watching that game. Very impressive. Ooh. Finland on France. This is this is year three for for Larry. Year three, averaging fifteen points per game. Shooting numbers are down, but still solid. He's been. It seems like he's not really meshing well with Clifford, or not Clifford uh, Boylan. Um, yeah, it's well. I also like when you just watch him play. Like the numbers have been really bad. The shooting numbers, at least. But I feel like he's a better shooter than that. Um, and the looks that he gets playing with a lot of his minutes with Zach Levine, who is uh, a really, you know, he's dazzling, but just makes so many really bad basketball decisions and must be really frustrating to play with. And you don't really know when you're getting your shots or where you're getting your shots. Or uh, So I, I think the numbers are better than they, they look. And I think he's super talented. Uh, I think I, I I don't know if the Bulls would be willing to part with him for the Memphis pick and and salary, but um, I would make the call. Yeah, you'd have to. Th- like, that would be a big give up on on Chicago's part, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like you'd think that that it's not going to happen from Chicago's standpoint, but that's a call that you'd want to make. Um, all right, this guy will probably not excite people, and you'd I'd probably ask for more back in addition to him here. Um, and he's also hurt right now, so that kind of takes him off the question. But uh, Luke Kennard has had a very good year for the Pistons before he had some knee situation, averaging 15 points a game. Great shooter, under control for another two years on the rookie deal before he hits free agency. Again, I wouldn't want. I'd want something back, shooting 40% from three. I'd want more back from the Pistons to go with the Memphis pick. But that's the kind of like rotation win now piece that I would be intrigued by despite his clear like ceiling. I like Kennard a lot and have since he entered the league. He can do a lot of things with the ball and he can space the floor and he has a quick trigger. My thing is like 
in the playoffs defense our team's going to attack him are they going to use his man to set ball screens is he constantly going to be uh picked on as a weakness so it's it's i think he's he's it's not like the worst thing in the world having a guard uh who's a bad defender as opposed to like a big man who who you can attack as we just talked about with Cantor. but i feel like I don't know if, if if I would be willing to part with the Memphis pick for someone who is so flawed on one side of the ball, and especially given the current state of this team, like where, like how many minutes is is he even going to play? Who are you going to take minutes away from if uh, to get like Luke Brad Wanamaker? Yeah, but then you know if 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 you know, Luke's playing or he was playing thirty three minutes a game this year, um, that's a big transition from going to that. Well, what's Brad averaging in the high teens? Really? I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like I like the I like the four point one assists uh, game. This guy can obviously move the ball a little bit, and Danny loves his Blue Devils. That's, uh, that's for sure. But I, that that that's a no. That's a no for me. And like you said, maybe you'd want to get more from Detroit. Like, I don't know what they would have to give you because if like, I mean, yeah. talk about the guys that, that that are on their radar for to to be traded. That's like, you know Langston Galloway's there, but you're not going to get Galloway and Kennard. You know, uh, Markeith doesn't really excite me. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a no. No, that's I'm with you guys on that. Uh, I just thought that was an interesting uh, potential name. These are guys probably not available, but worth acquiring on. Um, Kyle Kuzma. No, that's, that's a no absolutely for me. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I agree with you. Like he's. Hates I only brought him up because he's, so he he's making really... he's making cheap money, but that's the only thing. It like giving up the Memphis pick would be far too much for. They're not. Agree. They wouldn't even um, want that. But they don't want the Memphis pick. No, they would. They would. They would move it somewhere yeah. else. It would be like a three team deal situation. I would have considered uh, it before the latest haircut. I was going to say yeah, <laughs> before he dyed his hair and became like the SoundCloud rap version of Dennis Rodman, except bad at basketball. Like I, <laughs> I I'm not a not a Kyle Kuzma fan. And then these are guys that um, I, don't know, I guess I'll bring this one up. Um, Please do. Aaron Gordon. Yes. He's under control for I think three, two more years after this. I think sixteen million dollars a year. Orlando is sending tre- treading in the wrong direction, after, especially after this. So this is injury. tough with the contracts, though, right? This is tough with the contracts. So you'd have to be getting rid of Cantor. Um, smart or Tice and no not I would try to keep smart and then maybe like a rookie or two and then a bunch of filler so you this would this would be a big move in terms of like reshaping your bench because you'd have to move a lot of pieces or move smart which I don't think you want I wouldn't move smart for him um, but I would think about having Memphis this Memphis pick be the centerpiece and putting that with some filler salary that's no. Yeah, I mean this. This is basically like if if Lowry or you know, Markinen doesn't improve, and like this is like two years down the line. Like that's where Orlando is with with Gordon right now, right? Right. And they're not going anywhere this year. They're going to be like an eight seed. They're probably going to get destroyed in the first round, and then what's? And they still don't have any cap room next year. Like, what what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, they're. I mean, Orlando's backed into a corner here with just the contracts that they signed last summer and obviously they thought continuity would do them well and it hasn't uh yeah Aaron Gordon 
I would really love to see him in a new environment, and I would love to see him in a situation where he understands what his role is and what his limitations are and how he can get the best player out of himself. That might be in Boston, so I would be I would be for a trade like this, and I would give up the Memphis pick for Aaron Gordon. I, I think he's super special, especially as a defender, and he can play in the playoffs. But the thing about him is he he you know he puts the ball on the ground he dribbles between his legs thirteen times and jacks up long twos that clang off the rim and he does that like three or four times a game he calls for the ball in the post he just he thinks he's something that he's not and it's really difficult to get through to a player like that so as someone who would you know want touches want shots uh, you know if if Brad Stevens and the Celtics can get through to him and and explain to him what he is and how he can help them win, then I think he's a really special player and would put this team over the top potentially. But that's a big if. And as you said, this, getting the salaries there would be also really difficult. You guys wouldn't do it for smart. I would not. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I both you. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, that's, that's the, you're not, not talking about. That's a lateral at that move. point, right? No, you're not talking about Memphis pick at that point. All right, so it's not a package um, for him and Fultz. Would you do it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, I mean, the 29 percent three point shooting uh, is rough. That hurts. And he was up to 35 last year. It was at least a little bit respectable. Um, but mm, I'd still do it for Memphis. But yeah, certainly not Marcus. And I, and I think that like if he's not going to be able to come here and do it right, if if, if Brad can't get through to him. You know he's probably going to be a lost cause anyways, uh, and I, you'd hate to give up the Memphis pick to to learn that. And I'm sure they'll do their due diligence before any potential deal. But right now for that for that pick, uh, yeah, I'm I in. wanted them to draft Darren Gordon that year. That was the Marcus Smart draft. That's like one of those things. Like you wonder where where would he be right now if he was drafted by the Celtics and not Orlando? Such a game changer. Or like Dante Exum, who went right before Marcus, right? Yeah. Who's ne- who's now you know been hurt so many times, but now is going to be toiling away in Cleveland for the next however long. Still one of the most baffling contracts. What the ever. eleven million? Yeah. Yes. That so bizarre after being hurt, but so baffling that I remember everyone like, oh, Jazz must know something that no one else knows. <laughs> they must see something in this guy that they're he's about to unleash unleash uh, a dominance on the league, and then he got worse. Couldn't stay healthy. All right, and a couple of final names to go over here. Um, again, I don't think these guys, they're clearly not worth the, the Memphis pick on its own, so you'd have to be getting other draft capital or other things back from these teams to, to make it worth it. Um, one would be Covington mm-hmm. in Minnesota as a 3 and D piece. Um, I don't think they would do that, but continue. I don't think they. And I agree. I don't think they'd do it either. You'd obviously need another first round pick back from Minnesota, but they're probably not interested in doing that because um, that that could easily be just as bad for them. So that's probably off the table. Like maybe you offer up. I mean, you could offer up obviously one of the late first round picks for Covington, but uh, that's a whole different equation with matching money. And they're trying to keep Cat happy. Be like, hey, we just trade a uh, third best player in the team for right for a lottery pick. pick. Thanks. Um, and then, like, the King situation, I would love to see someone like Bogdanovich as, like, a, a bench weapon. You don't want to give it the Memphis pick for him, obviously, since it's... I would consider that. that. 
but you do have control over him. He is hitting restricted free agency. You'd want more than Bogdanovich. I wouldn't give up Memphis pick for Bogdanovich straight up. He's on an expiring deal like that. And I actually think even though you have team control, you're not going to want to pay whatever offer sheet he signs. So exactly, Um, you could you know you that'd be a deal you'd like sign into like trade essentially uh, down the line. But Bogdanovich and Nemanja maybe that combo. Who? Sure. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how to say his name. (laughs) Bezlika. Oh my God! I actually wrote down Bielitsa. His uh, his name was here for. I wrote down some guys who I think would be interesting, but not for the Memphis pick. For the uh, the Bucks pick, right? For a first round pick, yeah. No, I agree on uh, that. And but yeah, that again, a kind of like bench rotation piece like that, like Covington. I feel like those are the kind of guys that could make a meaningful difference in terms of the, the the contender trajectory for this team for the present. And it, there's all sorts of caveats in terms of why you don't want to give up the picks and what actually the ceiling is for this team um, and messing up chemistry and stuff that this team clearly has right now. But the league, I feel like, might be more wide open this year than any other year next decade based on the Clippers or still trying to figure it out the lakers don't have a clear third best player um and a a bunch of question marks around the rest of that team and the bucks i still feel like are going to be hurting from the loss of brogdon a lot when the playoffs hits so warriors are going to get Giannis and carl town exactly the warriors are going to get steph curry back someone's gonna someone's gonna stack the deck again soon so is that enough incentive to make a big splash like this probably not but I think if you're the front office, you have to look long and hard at any name that like this that could, you know, potentially swing things in your favor. Mike, how good actually is Covington's defense? I I, I get a I feel like he's a little overrated. I get a, like a, a Jeff Green vibe uh, from him a little bit. Not that bad, but well, not that bad. Just I, there's something I don't know if I would trust him in the playoffs. I don't know. He if sucked giving... in that series two years ago. Remember how bad he was against the Celtics? That, yeah, that yes, maybe that's sticking with he, me a little bit. He, too. he was just—he had no confidence in that series. You could tell. I mean, like he was completely out of it mentally. But uh, no, I, I. And then the trade to Minnesota, and everyone thinks now he's going to come out of his shell, and he just, just no. Hasn't. I mean, I wouldn't say he's a bad defender by any stretch. Uh, like he's really disruptive, and he can guard multiple positions. And like when he tracks guys on on. On dribble handoffs, he's he's uh, like super bothersome. But um, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I think a lot of it is just the situation that they're in, and it's tough to play as as good a job I think as the Minnesota Timberwolves coaching staff has done this year. It's tough to you know get up every night, especially when there's so many injuries to key players, and it's 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 tough to see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes but maybe that's a, a reason and or a factor for what you're seeing but i think he's a pretty good defender and particularly like in in a big spot um when there are stakes i would like to see him uh like i i would i would be very excited if the celtics were to, to get him i think his defense is legit all right and then these last are bonus young guys that we're taking in the lottery recently that probably aren't available, but would only be appealing because DeAndre Aiden now because it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, do 
I assume the bridges. Does either of the bridges would a guy like that appeal to you at all? Even though knowing that they're not clearly that good, it, they they help you more in the sense that they can help you this season. You're not waiting for them to, to groom them. I'll take Phoenix over Charlotte. I agree with that, even though I wouldn't really be pumped about either guy. Do you think they any of those teams would consider them? Probably not. Hmm. Hmm. I can't tell. I mean, they would know better. I mean, I, I, I think Miles has certainly been a bit of a disappointment this year. I don't know if P.J. Washington stole, stole a little of his, of his thunder, but I think they were expecting a little bit more of a, of a breakout year from him. And uh, and Mikhail, I don't know. Like he hasn't. He's all right. He's solid, uh, but he really hasn't got that much of a. Ch- I mean, he's got he gets the minutes, but maybe that's because the guy he is, right? He's not going to be a star. He's just going to be a solid role player in the NBA, which you know, which is why I picked him over over Miles. I just think that that's more than what the Celtics need right now. Yeah, I think all true. Maybe I'm going back on it. I think Miles can play a little bit of the four, which is probably what you are looking for if you're if you're the Celtics and. Bridges just hasn't been able to hit shots and I thought he would be like I thought he would be a starter this year and that clearly hasn't happened and his role has been muted but so I don't I don't know I, I'm not really that attracted to either player to be honest yeah like I neither are probably good enough to like trust as big minutes guys in the playoffs right now which is I think what you'd be looking for if you're gonna make a move like that um all right, well, that, that's what I got. <laughs> um, so, yeah, probably not going to happen. But a couple intriguing names in there that um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how big of a splash this group wants to get. I mean, we'll f- feel like the, the next month is going to tell a lot. It's going to be a very busy month for the Celtics in January. Um, but the opponents are not that tough. Uh, so they could really still run up a pretty good record here. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now. So it's Atlanta tonight, then Chicago, Washington, Spurs, and then uh, at Philly. So that'll be the January 9th at Philly. That'll be the next uh, big check-in, gut check. And then maybe we can maybe we can do our Al Horford conversation then. That might be a better time. Oh, yeah, let's do like two minutes on Al right now. Or just before we – we'll do a bigger one next time, but anything we need to get on uh, the table, Al? I mean, I guess – the question everyone's asking is, did Al Horford make a mistake? Yes. Rich? Or not for his pocketbook, right. but... Yeah, exactly. You, Al Horford has a pocketbook? Is that what are you trying <laughs> to say does. something? Um, yeah, I, I mean, he, he, he went for money, and he went for a chance to, to, to win a title. It was just When you looked at... On paper, no one was disagreeing with him, really, when it happened, to think that the, the Philly on paper was maybe a, a better chance to win a title than where the Celtics were, especially at that point when he didn't know that Kemba was going to be around. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, but but part of that, and I know no one likes to say anything bad about Al, is that everyone was saying, that, okay, he's a veteran that can go in there and, and maybe tighten that ship a little bit and be a leader and, and, and get, you know, in, in Bede's ear, get in Simmons' ear and get, and get them focused on the right things. That hasn't been who Al, it wasn't who he was with the Celtics. You know what I mean? Maybe he was already keeping the peace. He wasn't disrupting. He wasn't, you know, a negative. But I, I didn't see a guy that was really leading that much, and, and you don't see it right like now either. A leader by example, which I think Al Horford is, like that's pretty useless when no one is like invested in following you, and like that's not an indictment yeah. on Al, but it is an indictment on the some of the the characters 
on Philly's roster and the work ethic that we've seen uh, over there over the past few years. So, um, yeah, I mean... And I should say real quick, Al seems like a very great human, which is a much better quality than being a good leader on the sure. basketball court. But in terms of like winning winning titles, yeah, that he's not he's not Kevin Garnett, you know, and 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 uh, and we're seeing that. Yeah, I mean, do you do you guys think if he knew about Kemba that he would have stayed for less money? I think so. Yeah, me too. I think if he knew. Everyone, everything was going to look like he would have. Um, but as we've talked about, I think that he gave a commitment, had to give a commitment early, and he did. He didn't and have to, right? He didn't have to. I mean, like, I think the Sixers demanded it. Be like, if you want, we can guarantee you this offer, but you have to give us an answer right now so we know what we can do for other guys. And there was no guarantee that deal was going to be there later if he didn't say yes at that point. And then they didn't do is, anything with other guys, really, right? Well, I guess because, you know. Yeah, they had the Josh Richardson, the, the, the Jimmy Butler trade. Sure. Okay. It's like making all the math work there. And they had to some kind of their own guys. And re-signing some of their own guys. I think all that stuff, the the first chip to fall there, being like, all right, we got Al locked in for $22 million, And now we have to figure out how to figure out the rest of the I think the, 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 the other more interesting question is, what if Al did resign, would the Celtics be in a better spot or a worse spot? Or the same spot? Uh, I think the the breakout numbers of some of the other guys wouldn't be as big, but I think the the championship potential would be So you higher. think the ceiling on the team would be higher than it is right now? Correct. Hmm. Because you know what this team could use, what? Mike? A guy like Al Horford. <laughs> Close <laughs> games. No, and that's that, true. That may or may not have been this conversation I had with someone. In the, Do you the think that if the Sixers called and offered Horford for Gordon Hayward that the Celtics would do it? No. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of money through 2023. Yeah. They the Celtics did not match that money for a reason. Yeah, I know. No, I I agree. I don't think that they have any interest in Al Horford, but I'm just but for one year, it would be I mean, interesting. For one year, absolutely. I, mean, absolutely I don't even. I, I. I don't think that makes them better. And I'm. You guys know how much I love Al Horford. I. I just don't. I don't. I don't think that. I think I'd rather have Gordon Hayward in the playoffs this year than Al Horford, even with how the the roster is constructed. Depends who they're playing. I think. It, I think you're right. It depends on the matchup. Are you playing the Sixers? Then you need Al. If you're not playing the Sixers, is you this, but is this version of Al Horford doing anything against this version of Joel Embiid? Really, I think so. Like, how much better defensively is he one on one? Just like straight, straight up one on one guarding Embiid than Enes Kanter is. A hundred percent. No, um, like twenty percent at least. Enes is more physical. That's for sure. Yeah, like, you guys are forgetting. I mean, Al's been terrible this year. Al was really good against Embiid for a very long time. Wasn't he guarding Simmons in those games? And Simmons, too. Because Baines would have Embiid, but he would do both. What about Baines? Would they trade him back? I don't think the Suns would want to trade him. They actually can't even do it to the Celtics until June. No. Forget it. That's too bad. Um, But it is a fascinating question, though. Like what al actually has left here 
he clearly is he's never been a pure catch and shoot guy and that's what they're asking him to be on offense and that's clearly not going well but what's but it's just it's bizarre that he didn't realize that like what else was he going to be there i was saying from the he signed he was going there to be kevin love you know, it was just right. I, there, there's no other role for him on that on that team. But like, given his skill set and given that their Love roster is like a quick release, stretch four. It's it's like Al Horford is so not a shittier Kevin that, right? Like he needs the, time to load it up. He needs space. Like the pick and pops where the point guard will drag his man all the way into the paint or below the free throw line, and then he has all the time in the world to survey the floor. That's that's when Al is at his best. That's not the same as how they're using him, really, because they don't have a pick-and-roll ball handler. Like, that's... It's it's really frustrating to watch, and when he's on the floor with Embiid, it's just... It's such a disaster offensively and has not gotten better as the season's gone along. And I was, like really it was really eye-opening when like Brett Brown playing Trey Burke over Al Horford to close that loss last week against the Orlando Magic was like oh okay so when are they going to trade Al Horford because that is that is quite the indictment we'll end on this who's the one player that can like turn the Sixers into a nightmare that they can realistically acquire Derrick Rose. Hmm. Derrick Rose is on my potential uh, Celtics list that we'll talk about next episode. Ooh. Nice He's piece. having a great year. Number four in the uh, All-Star vote. Not that that means anything. We should have talked to All-Star votes. How about Taco? Taco? Yeah, how about Taco yeah. number six? We'll see. With all of the next round coming in, where Taco will probably be like third. I've just been voting no, for this him is, this, is not this gonna whole get... time while we've been recording this episode, so... <laughs> get 17 computers uh yeah no i don't think that that's gonna i think that that joke might get pretty serious as we, as we approach all-star time yeah i mean people need to relax it's they it's only 50 percent of the vote like oh that's true have fun so it's like not he has no real threat of starting so people can can stop getting worked up about it well at least um, we can mention taco so i can put him on the uh the tags yeah. when we yeah, post the it's the, gonna the be I get that SEO. Yeah. Um, all right, boys. Well, that will put a wrap on this one to kick off 2020. It's so weird to say. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week where we'll be looking into some more realistic trade targets for the Celtics uh, that we started to talk about today and maybe get into uh, some all-star talk as well. Ooh.